Hello, welcome to Tuesday's Nightly News Update with Nick Barry. I am your host, Nick Barry. This is episode number 17, coming to you live from the Edward J. Prisbola Center on the Catholic University of America's campus in Washington, D.C. It is 75 degrees in the nation's capital this evening at 8 p.m. Tonight's show is a special one featuring the 15th president, 15th president of the Catholic University of America, John H. Garvey. Mr. Garvey has been the president of the Catholic University of America since July 1, 2010. His prior experience includes being the dean of the Boston College Law School from 1999 to 2010, a professor at Notre Dame Law School from 1994 to 1999, and he has also taught at the University of Michigan Law School and the University of Kentucky College of Law as well. He co-authored several books over the years, too. President Garvey is a summa cum laude graduate from the University of Notre Dame class of 1970. In addition, he graduated from Harvard Law School in 1974. President Garvey and his wife, Jean Garvey, have been married since 1975 and are parents of five children and have 23 grandchildren. President Garvey, thank you for your time tonight for this interview. I appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, being on my show. I look forward to having you answer these questions I prepare for you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. It's very nice to be here. And your uh, information is a little needs a little updating. We're, we're now up to 25 grandchildren. I'll be here for Easter. 25 grandchildren. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, President Garvey. So I'm just going to get straight to it into the questions here that I prepared for you. So um, the question that everybody would like to know uh, why did you decide to step down as the Catholic University of America's president? You know, I've been thinking about it for uh, for some years, Nick. I, uh, I've been trying to hide it, but I'm old, and you, you need to watch out that you don't overstay your welcome. I, uh, I, I, when I came to the university, I thought, well, I'll stay at least 10 years, and then we'll see how things go. And then five or six years ago, I hired a bunch of new vice presidents for advancement and enrollment management and and finance and uh, had a new provost that year and and uh, w- uh, when I hired each of them we had a conversation about how long I was going to be here it's a question you naturally ask because you want to know who your boss is and uh, and is going to be and and uh, so what I said to them was you know we need to do a big campaign and I will stay until we finish the campaign and then we'll see how things how things are going so I had my eye on the end of the big campaign that we've been uh, that we've been running that we did uh, open publicly in 2019, and uh, we hit our target last October and actually extended the uh, campaign by a year and $100 million. But but that kind of, you know, that seeing that uh, goalpost led me to have a conversation with the Board of Trustees last spring, and I said, you know, I think it's about time we ought to start looking for a new president. I'll stay until we can hire him. But it's... Uh, so it's been something we've been actively working on for the past year. Well, thank you for that, President Garvey. Now I'm going to transition now since you've been the president of Catholic University for about a decade now, a little over a decade. Twelve years, in Tw- fact. Twelve years. <laughs> what do you see as your major accomplishment during your time here as being the Catholic University of America's president? You know, there have been so many changes. When when I came to the university, I had my eye on on two things. One was... This is the National University of the Catholic Church, and my experience, in, uh, which had mostly been in higher education, had been about building Catholic institutions, and that's really about uh, building a great faculty. So one thing I had my eye on was uh, hiring people who were interested in building a great Catholic institution, building the Catholic intellectual life. The other thing I had my eye on was 
Catholic University had kind of missed the boat when it came to fundraising, and uh, that was something that had impeded our forward progress. So second thing that I had in mind was, uh, let's see how much money we can raise. Turned out that there were a lot of other things to do. It always does, doesn't it? Um, but one of the things that the board spoke to me about when they hired me was, um, we need to do something about the retention rate. Students are leaving here after their freshman year in college. And after about a year, I, um, I thought, well, no wonder, you know, it's like no fun here. There's, <laughs> there's no, they don't have dances. There's no, there's no intramural sports. There aren't any basketball uh, courts on the campus. The campus has a lot of traffic on it. It's not a nice place to be. There are places for group study efforts and so on. So uh, focusing on undergraduate student life has been a really important thing for me. Um, it began with returning from co-ed to single-sex residence halls, which the rest of the world looked on as a kind of radical move, but I think it was pretty quickly accepted here, and it's been a good thing. There have been a lot of physical changes, too. The Monroe Street Market, the, the new dining hall, the additions to Carlini Field, the renovations to the DuFour Center, the new nursing school that's going up, and a lot of deferred maintenance that we've been catching up on. But um, but there are a lot of things still to be done. It's been it's been a really engaging, busy, fun job. Thank you for that, President Garvey. It sounds like you had a lot of great accomplishments here during your time in, here as CUA's president. When you're an undergraduate at the University of Notre Dame, what type of career did you envision for yourself? You know, I always thought I'd be a lawyer. Uh, I decided when I was in fifth grade, um, my my mother, um, I used to think my mother had great taste in clothes. I, I now realize that I look like something like <laughs> I was the sort of kid that people would take out, take out back and beat up. But I I had this trench coat and I thought I looked pretty, pretty cool in my trench coat. In fact, I thought I looked like Perry Mason, who was a TV lawyer at the time. And I decided I'm going to be a lawyer. And when I got to college, uh, I really loved uh, school. You know, I I I love college. I love my courses, I love my teachers, and I, I thought, well, I, um, maybe I ought to be a, an academic of some kind. So uh, at, in my senior year, I, I won a scholarship from the Danforth Foundation to pay for a PhD, and I, I went to graduate school um, and found that I wasn't really very well prepared for graduate school. I, didn't, I, I, I thought that I wanted to get a PhD in political theory, but I didn't I didn't know what school I wanted to go to. I didn't know who I wanted to study with. I hadn't taken enough politics courses as an undergraduate to be well prepared for that sort of thing. So I was kind of floundering. And um, after a few months of, after about a semester of that, I dropped out. Uh, and I decided I'd go to law school because, uh, well, because I decided in fifth grade that I was going <laughs> to be a lawyer. And also, I thought, well, if I go to law school, they'll tell me, read this book, and we'll give you an exam, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I can do that. Uh, so I went to law school thinking that I'd be a small-town lawyer like my dad. And then uh, I did uh, pretty well uh, in school, and uh, I began to think, well, maybe I could be a law school teacher. In those days, law schools were growing like mad. You know, it was the baby boom generation that was coming on to being educated, and there just wasn't enough room for everybody, and they were also desperate for teachers. So I, they were they were looking for teachers, and I was 
able to get a job as a law school teacher and became kind of interested in political theory. So it, it really turned out to be the two pieces of, of my life that I always thought I would uh, would somehow um, put together. Um, but I just had the good fortune to be growing up and looking for a job in a time when that was possible. Thank you very much for that, President Garvey. Now, during your time here as Catholic's president, Catholic University's president, what were your, some of your major challenges during your time here? Well, there are always a lot of challenges in higher education. Um, it's a very competitive business, and uh, as students know better than anybody, it's also a very expensive business. So um, recruiting uh, students to the university, um, doing our best to um, uh, to move the university from a model where everything was being paid for by uh, students' tuition to a model where we had alternative sources of income, like the campaign that we've been running or like the solar array that we're building across Harewood Road or um, like our auxiliary services, um, uh, trying to supplement tuition income was has been a really important thing. Um, this has been a difficult culture for higher education. Uh, it has not been true at this university, but at most other universities, public and private, there uh, there isn't the same kind of openness to the exchange of ideas as uh, we enjoy here at Catholic University. Um, but making sure that that culture doesn't infect the operations of this university has been an important thing. Um, the uh, the Catholic uh, culture itself is one that's been challenged in some ways and has been a great addition to, or a great supplement or a great help to to America in other ways. You know, I think the church's positions on immigration and care for the poor have been really timely and helpful. So too, her, her positions on race relations. On the other hand, issues about life and family and so on have been um, uh, out of the mainstream and increasingly so in a culture that becomes more progressive. So um, steering your way through those things has been a, an intellectual challenge, but an interesting one. Definitely. And definitely, for sure, COVID has played a factor into one of your challenges. Well, here. I didn't even mention that, but that's certainly a fact. The last two years have been the most difficult uh, that the university may ever have experienced. Who could have imagined that on March 13th of 2020 we'd send everybody home and still try to operate the university? But I think that I think uh, that it's been something that I count as one of the university's greatest successes of uh, to get through this and educate our students and um, and to maintain the um, support for our staff and faculty, a lot of them made great sacrifices throughout all of this. Uh, many of our staff coming into work when we didn't know how dangerous the pandemic was. Everybody on the faculty and uh, most of the staff took a pay cut so that we could afford to continue to keep everybody on the payroll and educate our students and keep everybody safe and uh, not have people get sick, go to the hospital, and uh, we've managed to do that. Thank you very much for that, President Garvey. Now, I'm going to move on now since um, the Supreme Court just had a nomination, and uh, one of your former students 
is on the Supreme Court as well. So how does it feel to have one of your former law students, Amy Coney Barrett, um, how do you feel that she became uh, an associate justice on the Supreme Court? And um, are you still in contact with her about her life on the Supreme Court as well? We have one of the great um, good fortunes of my life has been to know a number of people on the Supreme Court. Um, Justice Breyer was my antitrust teacher when I was in college. Um, Justice Alito and I are friends to this day. We t worked together in the Solicitor General's office in the Reagan administration and, uh, have, and have remained friends since that time. Um, Justice Barrett was a student at Notre Dame when I was on the faculty there, and she was my teaching assistant or my research assistant um, at that time. And um, took a number of courses that I taught. I, I'd like to say that I'm proud that she's on the Supreme Court as if I could take any credit for it, but she was, as a 24-year-old, smarter than I am today. So <laughs> she got there on her own merits, but but it's a really wonderful thing to know somebody like that. She, um, I, yeah, I teach this class on the virtues to freshmen in the honors program, and we, yesterday we were teaching the virtue of justice, and she and I taught the the class together. It was a real thrill for our students. Well, thank you very much for that, President Garvey. Um, so with the new incoming president, Dr. Peter Kilpatrick, what are some goals that you uh, want him to do or thing you, things you hope he accomplishes? And what advice do you have for your successor here um, when you step down as the president of Catholic? You know, one thing that it's uh, good to do when a new president comes on the scene is to get out of the way. I, this is a, a lesson that uh, former presidents should all learn. Um, but uh, Dr. Kilpatrick uh, does have a number of challenges in front of him. Uh, if he didn't, the job wouldn't be interesting. But, um, but uh, I would like, and Dr. Kilpatrick I know would like, to grow the undergraduate population at the university. We're not going to become the University of Maryland, but. Uh, but it, uh, it would be a good thing for all of us if we had another thousand undergraduate students, and um, that's something that he's interested in doing, I know. Um, one of the projects that <coughs> Aaron Dominguez, the current provost, and I um, said for ourselves when Aaron became the provost was increasing our profile as a research university. I, uh, so far as I know, Dr. Dominguez is the first time, it's the first person who is a really a real hard scientist who's been the provost at the university. He's a famous physicist. And so uh, what we undertook to do was to increase the amount of grants that we get from the federal government and other, <coughs> pardon me, other grant-making agencies. Um, typically, uh, we would raise about $25 million in grants in any given year. Last year, we raised $113 million. We had two really big grants from, from NASA, and uh, I credit the provost with uh, with attracting that sort of attention. But Dr. Kilpatrick is himself a uh, chemical engineer and uh, holds a number of patents himself, and this business of attracting grants is something he's um, much more familiar with than I have been. So um, I, I think that that's a project that he and Dr. Dominguez will be able to work together well on. I, um, a third thing, which I know he's interested in continuing, is our our profile is the uh, the National University of the Catholic Church. I think that's something that won't change from from my tenure to his. But but he's got a lot of really interesting work in front of him, including finishing the campaign. You know, we extended the campaign into his term as president, 
and added $100 million to the target, we'll, uh, I don't think we'll get all the way this year, but, um, uh, but no, we'll have to raise at least $50 million to finish the campaign, maybe a little more than that. But, um, so he'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun first year, and he's going to inherit a lot of really capable people. Well, thank you very much for that, President Garvey. It sounds like he has a lot of goals set for him when he comes into office here during the president here at Catholic U. Now, back in 2010, uh, what drew you to Catholic University? What made you want to become the president here at CUA? I kind of backed into it. I, uh, I was the dean at uh, Boston College Law School, and I loved my job as dean. I loved being a lawyer. And in, in Boston, uh, when I was in law school, the Harvard Law School kind of ran the law firms in Boston. That's no longer true. It's Boston College that runs the law firms in Boston. So I was, you know, in, in a in a small town, um, uh, somebody who had a uh, an interesting job and uh, was able to do a lot of um, a lot of things that I want to do there. Plus, I love Boston sports teams. Anyway, uh, I was visiting our daughter Kate in London and sitting in her living room and I had my cell phone in my pocket and it rang and it was Archbishop Vigneron who was the chairman of the board of trustees here. This was in March I think of of uh, 2010 and he asked me if I would um, come down and talk to the search committee about being the president of Catholic University so I, it wasn't a job that I'd applied for or even uh, you know on the contrary I thought I'm good I, I'm I have my job. I know what I'm doing. I'm, this is this is where I'm going to finish my career. Uh, so I listened to him for half an hour more out of politeness than anything else, um, and agreed to come down and talk to them again. Uh, it was just a courtesy interview as far as I was concerned, but just to get ready for it, I spent some time looking at the university, uh, looking at everything they had online, getting their 990s, and checking out their financial situation mm-hmm. and. And I fell in love with the search committee. The people who were on it uh, really drew me to Catholic University. And so they asked me back for another interview, which I came for. And uh, by that time, we were getting serious. And uh, I I think it was at about that point I thought, you know what, if I don't get this job, I'm going to be really disappointed because this is something I would love to do. Thank you very much for that, President Garvey. Um, In your opinion, what makes Catholic University different from other universities? I've been at a lot of places. It, it, it's a private university, and there are a lot in that category. It's a Catholic university, but it's not like other Catholic universities. Um, there are a couple hundred of them in the country. Um, I know most of them. I'm on the board of uh, something called the Association of Catholic Colleges and Universities, which, uh, which serves all of them. It's sort of like a trade group for Catholic universities. Um, we, uh, we are the only one of those schools that has a charter from the Vatican uh, that was founded by the bishops of the United States, and we have what are called pontifical faculties in philosophy and theology and canon law, the ecclesiastical degrees that we give entitle people to teach in seminaries or to teach at other ecclesiastical universities. The, um, the president of the university or the rector of the university, that's me, um, has to be approved by the Congregation for Catholic Education in Rome. So we're governed by the Vatican in a way that other universities are not. And um, 
we've taken our Catholicity seriously. You know, there's been a kind of a drift in uh, in a very large number of Catholic universities in, in, in the way that the great uh, Protestant universities in the United States drifted. I, um, my old friend Jim Birchall called it the dying of the light. Um, Harvard and and um, uh, Yale were begun as congregational universities. Brown was a Baptist university. Princeton was a Presbyterian university. University of Chicago was a Baptist university. Uh, over time, they uh, they kind of pushed the faith um, that was their reason for beginning um, to the periphery. And uh, here it's something that's central to the work that we do. Well, thank you very much for that, President Garvey. It sounds like Catholic is very succinct more than other university. It stands out. Um, let's look back on your career. Besides being CUA's president, what was your favorite job and why? I have always loved, uh, I've loved every job I've had. I, I uh, When I was a boy, I remember uh, the only bit of advice my father ever, ever gave, besides he thought I ought to be an engineer, and, I, I, and I, I tried that my freshman year in college, but it wasn't really for me. I, my chemistry labs never came out right. But the, other, the only word of advice he gave me otherwise was to be sure that I was happy in my career, and I loved being a teacher, which I did for a long time at Kentucky and Michigan and Notre Dame, uh, the first half of my um, my career, I did that. I loved every minute of it. I loved being a law school dean. Um, I practiced law in San Francisco and, and, as I mentioned earlier, in the Solicitor General's office where I would handle cases for the government in the Supreme Court, and I loved doing that. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure that I had a favorite job just because I've had the good fortune of loving everything I've done. That's great, President Garvey. Now, as you probably mentioned this before, did you always imagine yourself working in education? Yeah, I did. I, well, at least uh, after I got to college. You know, until that time, I had that trench coat, and I, <laughs> I thought I was <laughs> going to be a lawyer like Perry Mason. But I, but I always loved school. Maybe it was because I was I was good at it, and and uh, I found that to be true in college and. Uh, admired my college teachers quite a lot, and I thought I'd just love to do that. So, yeah, I think I always pictured myself being a being a teacher. Although I'm not much of one now, you know, I I just teach one class, and there are people around here who teach half a dozen. So, uh, I do a little bit of that now, but I'm uh, my job is much more like uh, running a small business. Can you give me, so since you teach the virtues class here at Catholic, can you give me a little bit more detail about what is the virtue of justice? What did your class discuss yesterday with Justice Barrett? We had a really interesting class. Uh, so um, we spend a couple of weeks on different aspects of the virtue of justice. One class that we deal with, um, the, uh, just war. The justice is there justice in going to war, and are there just and unjust ways of fighting wars? And so we read a book about bombing Hiroshima for that class. In yesterday's class, um, we talked about an article that Justice Barrett uh, and I had written when she was just a student about capital punishment, uh, and 
We had several objectives in the class. I wanted the students to think, first of all, about whether there was a difference between what the law says and what's just, because uh, our legal system um, permits capital punishment in several jurisdictions, including the federal uh, jurisdiction. Uh, on the other hand, Pope Francis has uh, said in the last three or four years that uh, that the death penalty is always inadmissible. So there's a clash between what the church s says about this and what the law requires, and that creates some interesting problems for judges, uh, for Catholic judges. Uh, Justice Barrett, neither she nor I envisioned uh, one of us being a judge at the time we wrote the article. Um, uh, and I thought it would be when we began uh, work on the article, uh, we both thought it would be a relatively simple matter, you know, that the church said uh, uh, countries like uh, then uh, wasn't absolutely forbidden, but it was pretty clear that what the catechism was saying, what John Paul was saying, was that in a country like America you can't justify capital punishment. So we, we thought, well, this will be an interesting thing, you know, saying that 25% of America's judges ought to sit down in capital cases. But it turned out that there was a lot of stuff that they could do. That was the second kind of question we were interested in having the students look at what uh, what um, in what sort of collisions between law and religious belief or moral convictions can we resolve by careful lawyering and um, and what kinds um, can't we resolve uh, that was the second thing the third thing I wanted the students to think about and I don't know whether they had or not was uh, I mean, before in their lives was uh, how is the church's teaching about capital punishment binding on us as Catholics? What what exactly does it mean? Um, the church says this. It's pretty clear that it's not uh, what the theologians call an infallible teaching. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the Code of Canon Law um, tells us that we need to give a religious assent of mind and will to the teachings of the Holy Father on the subject so what exactly does that mean so uh, that, that's what we that's what we talked about that's great President Garvey it sounds like you definitely had an interesting discussion yesterday with your students um, since um, the president of Catholic University as you are how has your faith changed while you're the president here at CUA I don't know if I, I'm still a Catholic. I, I uh, when <laughs> I was when I came, I, uh, um, and uh, I don't know that my beliefs uh, have changed, but I do think that uh, it's been a very good thing for my own spiritual development. I, um, it's a funny thing being the lay president of a university like this. You know, most of my um, most of my predecessors as president, nearly all of them, in fact, have been priests or bishops. <clears throat> and so it's a natural thing for for Father O'Connell, my immediate predecessor, who's now the Bishop of Trenton, to uh, to celebrate a baccalaureate mass or a mass at the Holy Spirit or a mass for the beginning of the year for the, our patronal feast. I, uh, or to celebrate re regular Sunday mass with the students. And that wasn't my place. I'm, I'm not... Um, that's not my vocation. Um, it's not even my vocation to to preach from the pulpit. I'm just a guy. I, uh, so you'll notice that whenever I give a talk, it's always um, 
after the post-communion prayer, you know, when somebody like me is um, entitled to speak. So uh, that was an, uh, an odd sort of thing. Second thing is I, I, um, I had not been accustomed in connection with my job responsibilities uh, to talking out loud about what my own faith was or uh, what, uh, what my, um, you know, where, uh, where Jesus and I were in our own relationship. Um, I had been accustomed to doing that with our children. Uh, it's the sort of thing you do as a dad when you're bringing your children up. But, um, but it took a little adjusting f- uh, for me to get comfortable with that. And I'm glad that it did, you know. I think we all should um, be a little bit more um, uh, public-facing in the... Uh, in our deepest beliefs and um, and it's a really great good fortune for me to be among a bunch of students um, many of whom have a real interest in that themselves and who can set an example for me by uh, the practice of their own faith so um, the other thing I want to say is it's been a great thing for me to have uh, been able to work with and listen to our uh, Franciscans in campus ministry. I, I've learned a lot from them, and uh, and to work and live on a campus where there are masses going on uh, all the time, day and night. So we're able to go to mass all the time. That's a great answer, President Garvey. Thank you very much. Since June 30 is your final day as the president of Catholic, what is on your to-do list with less than three months left being the president of CUA? Much of. Uh, much of the difficult stuff is out of my, um, I don't want to say off my desk, there, there are a few, um, uh, few issues I still need to resolve, but, uh, but at this time of year, uh, beginning uh, this, this part of April, until almost the end of May, um, there are almost constant events, speeches, activities, celebrations, the, uh, and so on. Um, because well, you know what the end of the year is like. Uh, um, it'll be it'll be more like this uh, next year in your senior year. But there are students who are going through that this year, and uh, you know, all uh, student organizations have their last uh, events, and he, um, so I just have to give a lot of speeches for all that sort of thing. It's a really wonderful time, you know. We celebrate the careers of people who've succeeded here, nurses who are uh, who are getting uh, their pinning ceremony, the uh, students who are graduating Phi Beta Kappa, students who are getting leadership awards, and getting to meet all the parents of our students in connection with commencement. It's something that I enjoy a lot, but it's a, um, it's really a uh, an unending round of, of activities, and then the same is true with the law school. This year there's the added, um, I'm not sure what to call it, but um, th- factor uh, of a bunch of going away parties for me and Gene and you know, I'm, I'm not real comfortable being the center of attention of parties so I, I, uh, I know people mean well and there are a lot of people that we want to thank for our time here but uh, that's, that's a number of other events that we don't have in the ordinary course of business. Thank you very much for that President Garvey. Now with the commencement coming up do you know who the commencement speakers are going to be. Yeah, I know a whole lot of stuff, and I'm not going to tell you, so. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, now, with your future plans coming up, uh, do you have plans to travel, 
do consulting work or both after you finish your role? I always here? laugh when people talk about consulting work. You know, they have these these guys on TV, the ads for Prevagen, saying they do consulting work. If I ever say that, <laughs> you better tell me I better see a doctor or it's time for me to retire. I, uh, I'm not going to do consulting work, I promise. I, um, I, but I'm not actually retiring either. I, I, I am um, appropriately taking a sabbatical next year. It's been, gosh, three decades since I've taken a sabbatical and I, and I need to get out of the way of uh, President Kilpatrick. Uh, but I also need to, I, I, uh, I, I'm glad you didn't ask how well I was doing in Italian this year because, <laughs> <laughs> because I've missed a lot of classes and I've had to apologize several times to the teacher for setting such a bad example for the rest of the rest of the class. But I got to work on Italian. Uh, Jeannie and I are going to be the faculty in residence in, on the Rome campus a, a year from now. Uh, and uh, so I also need to prepare a few courses there. I think I'll teach a course on uh, comparative law, uh, American and Italian law, and uh, and I'd maybe do an Italian version of my virtues class. Just curious, what made you get into learning Italian? Well, we knew we were going to be in Rome, and uh, we wanted to be able to order dinner and <laughs> get around the town. I, uh, I also think it's a beautiful language. You know, one of the great privileges of my job as president is uh, that I need to go to Rome frequently for uh, for business uh, to deal with the Congregation for Catholic Education. I also serve on a couple of agencies there. Um, and uh, one of the agencies, um, it's, this, it's called AvaPro. It's the accreditation agency for ecclesiastical universities around the world. And the members of the agency are, uh, they're from uh, Poland, Nigeria, Norway, France, Spain, maybe one from Italy. Um, uh, someone, so, so all of them have a first language, and um, and uh, because this is Rome, uh, the language of business is Italian, so that's their second language for all of them. But because I'm such a dummy. Uh, they all hold their meetings in English for my benefit, so they're <laughs> speaking their third language, and I'm, I'm thinking I got to do something about that. Well, this is my last question for you, President Garvey. What are some things you wish you could have done more here during your time here at CUA? Boy, uh, you know, I was saying earlier about how much I had loved my uh, every job that I'd ever done. Um, I have to say that I've loved almost everything about this job. I've loved teaching my class to freshmen. Uh, I've loved uh, raising money for the university. Um, I've loved dealing with the students in their uh, athletics activities, their other extracurricular activities, their student organizations. Um, I've loved dealing with the faculty. I have the privilege of serving on the Academic Senate uh, here, and um, and I, I meet almost every new faculty member that we're hiring before we make the hires, so I get involved in those kinds of things. I love um, building, you know. I, I, I love the architecture of, uh, you know, I love spending a lot of time, you know, I, I, I resolved that I was not gonna be the president who built Gosh, where do I start? Uh, Gowan and Pangborn and nursing biology and Leahy and the Seton Wing of 
uh, Caldwell, those are hideous buildings, all built in mm-hmm. the 60s, and uh, I, you know, I'm just not going to be that guy. So we set a set of architectural standards that the new dining hall will live up to, and the new nursing school, and any residence halls that we that we build, and uh, that the Monroe Street Market conforms to. So I, I love doing that sort of thing. So I, I've loved everything about this job. It's been, it's been a wonderful thing for me. Are you going to miss the Washington D.C. weather? You know, uh, people always complain about the weather, but nobody ever does anything about it. I, I, I've lived in, uh, our kids are all born in Kentucky, and I've lived there for a couple of decades, and uh, I've lived in colder places like Massachusetts. I've lived in places where it's gray all the time, like South Bend, Indiana. I, um, weather has no effect on me. I, I, I love Washington. I like hot weather. <laughs> Well, that pretty much wraps up my interview, President Garvey. Thank you for your service to Catholic University. It was great having you on this evening, answering my questions. Good luck in the rest of your time here as president of CUA. Um, would you like to say any like closing remarks here before I wrap up this interview, President Garvey? Well, thanks for having me on, Nichols. It's been really a lot of fun. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much, President Garvey. So I'd first like to thank President Garvey for doing this interview, as well as the CUA Communications Department for promoting this interview, as well as President Garvey's staff for also helping me organize this interview with you, President Garvey. So that, and uh, I also want to um, shout out the CUA Communications Department for promoting this interview on their social media platforms. So that pretty much concludes this interview with President Garvey. I hope everyone has a great rest of their night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Happy Easter. <laughs>